It's been difficult to hear uh, about Linda Linsky and the trouble she's having over in Hawaii uh, with her health. And makes me think of the future of this congregation. All of us will reach the days where we either don't have good health or perhaps some will pass away before they reach that point. When I pass on, it's my hope that the church will be left in good hands. That the people that I've been with will be preparing themselves all my life to take the place that I have filled. And that stands both for Linda and for Mike. We need to be prepared. All of us one day will be gone. We need to be ready to fill each other's shoes. Think about that. Gentlemen and ladies, Whose shoes do you plan to fill? In some time we will have a lesson or two on elders. I want you to be thinking as a congregation and as individuals about who you think is qualified to lead God's people in that respect. Gentlemen, examine yourselves. Encourage those that you think are qualified. Speak to them and encourage them in God's work. And gentlemen who are qualified, those who look at your life and recognize its imperfections, but you also recognize the standards that you have held yourself to, be ready. Be ready. This morning's lesson is not on the topic of elders, but I wanted to share with you a few thoughts because they couldn't get out of my mind. But this morning I want to want to point your mind in a slightly different direction. Evening television is full of talent shows. You know, I can flip through the channels and look at Catherine and my you know, schedule of, uh, of things that are coming up that we'd like to watch, and talent shows are among them. And, you know, there's talent shows we just don't choose to watch because I don't really think they display any talent at all. And uh, that may be more where you lie. But, uh, but there's something that is repeated over and over again on most of those shows that really bothers me and it concerns me. And when they see a particularly stunning act, the judges who are there to give their comments oftentimes will, will call out a three-word phrase and it's one that you're probably very familiar with. They'll say, oh my God! And continue on with their thoughts about the act. 
You know that that exclamation isn't unique to primetime television, but it's common. It's common among the general public, and it's also so regularly the response to anything exciting or disgusting even, that we've shortened it to the letters OMG in text. You may see that or some variation of it on lots of Facebook walls, lots of posts, lots of different things going on. I recognize that most of the world completely accepts this exclamation as the proper way to express excitement or disgust. And I recognize as well that there are even Christians who consider, oh my God, an acceptable phrase to use without giving God a second thought. This morning, I'm not here to condemn you if you've ever uttered the phrase or tapped out the letters. So please put that out of your mind. This is not a lesson intended to tell you uh, or anyone, for that matter, how terrible a person you are. A lesson could be pointed just as harshly at me and the things that I shortcom- have shortcomings in. And so please don't, uh, don't look at the lesson that way. Rather, look at this as me trying to help you through the Scriptures to understand the exclamation, Oh my God! And in what scenarios it is appropriate. Because the phrase itself is not a bad one. An address to our Father is a good thing. But sometimes the way that good things are misused turns them into bad things. Because God doesn't respond verbally to the statements we make, we often forget that He hears them. We forget that He's real, that He is a a sentient being, that He hears when we speak, and every time we address Him, it reaches His ears. I say that to give you an illustration. What if your name was used in place of God's? What do you think? What if every time someone saw a video of a cat springing away from a cleverly placed cucumber, they said, Oh my Eli! Could you imagine seeing that or hearing that? And I'll tell you this, it wouldn't take very long because I'd get really aggravated. I'd get really aggravated really fast because I'd constantly be seeing my name, be hearing my name. I'd be tagged in all sorts of posts all over the place. And I'd just answer, what? What do you want? Why do you keep saying my name? And furthermore, I personally would stop listening. I'd stop listening for my name because when people say it, it doesn't mean anything to them. Do you see the problem with using God's name that way? Do you know what a lot of people would say though is that, oh, I don't mean anything by it. I don't mean anything by it. There's a a fact about scribes that you've probably heard before. I'm not the first one or the last to mention it. But you look up the traditions and and the way scribes would copy the manuscripts of Scripture. When they came to the name of God, the the scribe said aloud, I'm writing the name of God for the holiness of His name. And then he would write it. 
And if he made an error in writing God's name, the entire sheet, the entire manuscript he was copying had to be destroyed and he had to start again fresh. You understand the the weight of that, that whenever they came to God's name, they had to give an accounting as to why they were even writing it on a sheet of paper, much less coming out of their mouth. He is our creator. He's our savior. He's our ruler. He's our instructor. And the term God ought to embody all the character and truth which we understand about him. Our respect for Him ought to be apparent every time we reference Him, whether by proper name or otherwise. And I see no way in which it is appropriate to insert the thought of God into anything by which we mean nothing, including the phrase, Oh my God. Our world has hijacked this phrase. They've made it meaningless. It's become a note of exclamation that no longer draws minds to our Creator who is the subject of it. I propose to you this morning that there's a better way to speak this phrase. If you look for that phrase in Scripture, uh, just for your own information, you have to leave the H off of O. Just the letter O. But if you look for it, you'll find it some 25 times in Scripture. Each time this phrase has meaning and it's spoken with reverence toward God. We need to apply reverence whenever we speak of or to God. I'm going to share with you some circumstances where the phrase, Oh my God, would be appropriate, as well as places in Scripture where appropriate reverence to God is shown as His servants spoke of Him and to Him. Let's turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 6. The Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 40. 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 40. We're looking now at the end of Solomon's prayer. He's praying to God to dedicate the temple. And as he ends that prayer in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 verse 40. Listen to what he says. He says, Now, O my God, I pray, let your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. Now therefore, arise, O Lord God, to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let your godly ones rejoice in what is good. O Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed. Remember your loving kindness to your servant David. As Solomon prays, he addresses God with the words, Oh my God. You know the, the, the individual nature of that statement, the personal nature of it, not just oh God, but oh my God. He's the one that I serve. And so he addresses him appropriately in prayer to speak with reverence the words, oh my God. He was communicating with His Creator, addressing Him directly. And in that case, 
That phrase is very appropriate to speak. Look at Ezra chapter 9. Ezra chapter 9. Ezra 9 verse 5. Ezra has just heard that the people have taken wives from foreign nations and they're unwilling to put them away. And so he tore his clothes and he tore hair out of his head and tore hair out of his beard and he's sitting around in this pitiful state. But in Ezra 9 verse 5, he says, At the evening offering, I arose from my humiliation, even with my garment and my robe torn, and I fell on my knees and stretched out my hands to the Lord, my God. And I said, Oh my God, I am ashamed and embarrassed to lift up my face to You, my God. For our iniquities have risen above our heads, and our guilt has grown even to the heavens. Ezra, Speaking to God in his own shame because of what his people had done, he prays to God beginning by addressing him, Oh my God, I am ashamed. You see again in prayer, meaningful communication to God after he is addressed. Prayer is one appropriate setting in which the phrase, Oh my God, may be spoken as you reverently address God and call for His listening ear to hear what you're about to say. This phrase also appears in other scenarios, one of which is praise to God. In Psalm 71, let's look at Psalm 71 together. Psalm 71 verse 22 You'll note musical instruments in the praise to God that were part of the old law. We're not going to have a lesson on that now because it's not what we're talking about. But I want you to note what we are talking about. The phrase, Oh my God, and the way it's used in praise. Psalm 71 verse 22, he says, I will also praise you with a harp, even your truth, O my God. To you I will sing praises with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you and my soul which you have redeemed. There's something curious in that psalm. You'll notice that there are a couple different phrases used to reference God. One is, O my God, and the other is, O Holy One of Israel. And how many of us would dare to call out, O Holy One of Israel, without meaning to address our God? Doesn't it seem so out of place to you? Doesn't it seem disrespectful to you to call out, O Holy One of Israel, without intending any communication with Him, without intending even to give Him the honor of His own name, just to call it out as an exclamation. In Psalm 30, Psalm 30, verses 10 through 12, we read this, Hear, O Lord, And be gracious to me, O Lord. Be my helper. 
You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Reverence and respect ought to be inseparable from every word that addresses the true and living God. Whether in praise as we've just seen, in prayer as we've seen previously, or or finally in our lesson, in proclamation of the truth. Teaching and talking about God is one other place where these sorts of phrases are appropriate as long as they are spoken with reverence toward God. This morning, you understand, I've spoken concerning God and His name and the respect and reverence we ought to have for Him, and I've done so with as much reverence and respect for Him as can be mustered. In Acts 17, verse 23, we find an example of this sort of teaching. Acts 17, verse 23, Paul is speaking to the men in the Areopagus. It's their place of worship, and he sees all of these all of these altars, all of these places where they could worship various idols and things they called gods. And he says, While I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. And therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. And Paul continues on to speak of God, to proclaim His greatness, to speak of His wisdom to those who did not understand. And it's appropriate to reverently proclaim God in that manner. Even though he's not directly speaking with God, even though he's not directly praising God, he is speaking of Him to other people with great reverence and respect, showing them why they ought to serve Him as well. The words, oh my God, are an address to your Creator. They should never be spoken without meaning or with disregard for Him. Our scripture reading this morning was from Psalm 145. I'm going to give you some homework. I want you to read 21 verses of Psalm 145. That's the whole psalm. Psalm 145 has but 21 verses. We read seven in a span of about 30 seconds this morning together. It won't take very much of your time. But this afternoon, I want you to read and consider that psalm and have it change your mind Have it improve your outlook on the God that you serve and the way that you speak of Him to others. The first seven verses once again say, I will extol you, my God, O King. That is, I will lift you up. I will raise you very high, as high as I can. You understand, the highest place we can raise God to is still not as high as He would really truly deserve. But he says, I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and highly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. 
One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. That's what people should hear when the name of God is released from your lips. That attitude, that sort of honor, that sort of godliness. They ought to see it. They ought to hear it. It ought to be evident in the words that surround Him. The phrase, Oh my God, is one of many ways we address the all-powerful Creator. And I hope that none of us will call out, Oh God, Oh my God, or type the letters OMG without the intention of reverent communication to Him or about Him, either in prayer or praise or to proclaim His message and His greatness to all who see or hear the words. In John chapter 17, verses 14 through 17, Jesus prays. We read some of this prayer in Bible class this morning together, and now we're going to read another part. John 17, verse 14, Jesus prays to His Father and says, I have given them Your Word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We need to remember that we are not of this world. We are not the same as everyone else. Often the sayings and habits of this world run contrary to the truth of the Scriptures. Our respect for the name of God certainly ought to be a point which sets us apart, which causes us to be very different from others. It should be something that draws them to us to learn why it is we lift Him so high up in our lives, so much higher than those who do not know Him. Let that be your intent to lift your God high up and to praise Him and honor Him every time that you speak of Him and every time that you speak to Him. Are you searching for God this morning? If you are not a Christian, I hope you see in us a group of people who are not afraid to admit that we struggle with living as Christians, but we're also not afraid to challenge and teach each other to grow in Christ. We're doing our best to be the church the New Testament describes. That's who we want to be. That's who we work to be. Is the church that Jesus died for, that He describes in the New Testament, the one that He has promised to save. That's who we want to be. Are you ready to be saved this morning? The blood of Christ was shed on the cross so that the sins of the whole world could be forgiven. 
And if you will repent of your sins, confess your belief in Jesus as the Son of God before us, we will baptize you in the name of Jesus and His blood will wash your sins away. You will be raised out of the water clean because of the blood of Christ, fresh and new, ready to walk in the light with Him. If you have any spiritual need this morning, the invitation is for you. Please come forward as we stand and sing. Thank <laughs> you.